live brunch. We are live. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Live Brunch. Live Brunch. Live Brunch. Welcome to another episode of Live Brunch. Yes. I'm joined with, I'm joined by Stephen Dawson and you Christine Lydia. We had one Lydia. chair. Hi. You got one chair in the room. Well, it was the most important person okay. who said for us, so that's all right. I'll take quality over quantity any day. Thank you, Simon. Um, if you if you have any questions, please drop them in the chat, and we will pick them up um, immediately. So, so Steve, before we uh, start, do you want to do a quick 30-second summary of what you just preached to us on? Oh, great. Sure. Um, Jesus is a God who is passionate about uh, reconciling and has reconciled us to himself. And then given us the ministry of reconciliation, which means reconciling others to God, but also being reconciled one another as well. And that as a church community, we get to display that to the world, about how to do relationships and show what forgiveness and unity and love looks like. And uh, really practical words from Jesus about how to do that, about going to someone uh, when they've sinned against you and dealing with that offence. If that doesn't work, taking someone else uh, with you as well and how to navigate some of that. I think the question everybody wants to know is who has offended you the most, me or Christine? So let's not embarrass Christine and not answer that question and uh, jump straight into sure some... I would be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and jump straight into some questions. I think one of the first questions before we kick off is um, it, it feels like really uncomfortable verses in scripture, uh, ones that when you glaze over, or Simon mentioned, which we didn't have in the Bible. But really, what, does, what do these verses teach us about the heart of Jesus towards his people and towards the church? Yeah, can I just, I, I just want to just obliterate your, the basis of your question. Because I think, yes, they, they appear on the surface uncomfortable, but I think as soon as you start living them, Absolutely. you realise, wow, the peace that it brings you. When you're like, okay, this is difficult, but I've got a route through. And as soon as you've been through it a few times, you've been around a couple of times, you're like, well, actually, I'm okay. I know, I know, I've, been, I've been here before, I know what it looks like, I know what it is to do things Jesus' way, and, and, it, and it's great, that kind of stuff. So I think, I, I say, yes, it's right, on face value, thinking, oh, it'd be easy just to ignore it. But as soon as you've been through it, you're like, no, this is, this, this is really good wisdom, and really helps to actually deal with it. The thing is, that just because something's difficult, it doesn't mean to say it's not good for us, Amen. does it? Amen. You know, if we stopped... Because anything was difficult, we wouldn't do anything, really. Not, not, not anything of worth. Well, no, no, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. But what does this Sorry. teach us about... <laughs> well, what's your thank question? you, thank you. <laughs> um, what does this teach us about God's heart for, for people and his church? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, it teaches us that uh, God... Yeah, I think Simon said at the end of our live stream, you know, thankfully God doesn't treat us in that way of just shunning up, blowing up us. He doesn't obliterate us and he doesn't shun us. Actually, he's the one who very kindly and gently comes to us. I mean, you look at how Jesus... Uh, so I love in the book of Matthew, love the way Jesus interacting with different people. And when he comes across sinners, uh, people who are offensive actually to him more than anyone else, how does he deal with them? He deals with them in love and grace and gentleness and patience. And that's, just, that's, that, that's the heart of God. That's what Jesus is like with us. And he's really just calling us to be the same. Uh, can I just, I'll share a really quick story. Uh, I was talking to um, a friend who isn't a Christian uh, about this a while ago, and she was like, there, there's something about the church, you know, all the negatives and whatever aside. I feel, as a girl, safer walking into church than when I walk into a club. And, and I think there's something about a community of God's people where, you know, you feel safe. 
And I think it, safety within the community, which is why, why we saw uh, why is God against sin, is because I think he wants to create a community where it, it's safe, not just for his, his own children, but it's safe for people looking in. And you say, hey, that's a community that uh, I know I'll flourish in, and I, I know it'll be good. So I, yeah, just, I, I found when, when she shared that story with me, the whole thing about it, this is why we take sin seriously, because we want to be a people that represent our holy God, and there's a holy community. And holiness, when done well, is beautiful, and it's attractive, and it's, it's not ugly and cold and hard. It just it, it's beautiful. Mm. That's my story. I was hoping you'd have said that something on those lines, but you know, you, you didn't give me that answer. Uh, jumping on to a few questions. We've had a few questions come in this morning, so so please feel uh, free to, to keep dropping in questions if you have. We're also live on Instagram, um, so dropping questions over there. If God wants us to flourish, why is it so hard? Why is this for our good? Shouldn't it, wouldn't it be better to let sleeping dogs lie? Great, Christine. Well, I, th <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, God has laid out a way for us to live that is for us to flourish, and we do want to flourish. Um, if we let sleeping dogs lie, as Stephen already alluded to this, the thing doesn't go away and actually mm. it festers mm. in us, but it doesn't only affect us, it affects community. Because if you think about two people that you know have fallen out, pretty soon people kind of draw to one or the other and the thing can get into a kind of party spirit kind of thing and it causes division so you've got that kind of thing going on or you just know those two aren't getting on and everybody's walking on tender hooks around them and then that actually doesn't make the community feel safe it's not a safe place to be yourself because you're watching this watching that and there's lots of other ramifications that go on like that and it sets a really poor example for other people as yeah. well, doesn't yeah. it, if yeah. that's not happening? So I think that's part of yeah. why we really must do that. Yeah, that's another part of it. I think, you know, even the premise again, the question is, you know, if God is committed to my flourishing, well, that, that's one thing that God's committed to. He's yeah. also committed to demonstration, demonstrating his gospel and his glory yeah. to everyone. And, uh, and you know, Jesus uh, went through great pain and ends uh, to, you know, if, if his greatest goal had been his happiness and his joy, uh, it, might, it might not have been uh, the initial sense of like going to the cross. That, that, seems, that seems counter that. But it's not actually, no, his greater end is, is a flourishing that is much more full in terms of you know, gathering all the peoples, the world <laughs> together to himself and being reconciled. So, yes, you, you might think, oh, this is, you know, letting this symbolic lie is, is going to help me flourish better. Well, no, actually, long term, much better than that is to experience God's uh, gospel, express it to others, and, and have a deeper relationship. I mean, I, I mean, how many times if we have a difficulty with someone, and, and uh, what happens is you, you go in on it, you deal with it with the person, you come outside, your relationship is stronger than before the offence. Because mm. actually, you've been through something together, and God's given you something that's deeper and more wonderful. It's why we're such good friends. That is why we're such good friends. Um. <laughs> uh, can I just say, though, sometimes you go and speak to somebody and it doesn't feel great afterwards no. because no. you haven't actually worked it all through and it may take a time. Yeah. So initially, it may not feel brilliant straight away and actually when we're really in pain it can take a while to process process that with someone can't it yeah. but you do get there yeah. if you're committed to that process but sometimes it just takes a little longer yeah, as well yeah i think I'd, have, I'd love to have more time to unpack that as yeah. part of the sermon really because i think it'd be like what joel was saying last week you know doing the right things in relationship is not always easy. Yeah. It is painful, it is difficult, it can be messy and confusing, yeah. and sometimes trying to clear up the mess, you make it worse. I think I, I expressed some of that even within my own marriage at times, and it is, it is difficult to navigate. 
Um, mm. But being committed to it, going through, working through, again, Ruth was saying at the end, doing that in community, um, you know, you, you'll get there. Yeah. I think one of the key things is, this is the thing that separates this from just good, world, good teaching and good wisdom is those set of verses ends with God being at the heart of, of this whole process. Uh, and we can't take that away. There's something yeah. quite supernatural and his spirit that is in the midst of this process. And I know when I felt offended by, by good correction, so more often than not, I go up to God and say, God help me, why am I feeling like this? And there is a supernatural peace that comes upon you, that peace which transcends all understanding. Mm. And so we've got to know that God's in the process and he, he's working not just in you when you're correcting somebody, but also in the person who you're correcting. And mm. you can trust him bringing reconciliation. Yeah. Mm. I think if you, if you view someone bringing something to you as, a, you know, as against yourself rather, rather than welcoming it as, you know, God could say something through it. So Billy Graham, reading uh, one of uh, the biographies about him and his, his uh, take on offence from other people, even his fiercest critics and people who literally hated him, they said something about him. Uh, his supporters around him say, oh, just ignore that. He's like, no, there might be some truth mm. in what they say. You think, oh, what a gracious attitude that even our worst critic actually maybe God can use that mm. to change my character. Maybe something here for me to learn. I mean, that kind of attitude is, is you know, amazing. Okay, another question. Um, I think this was about the whole, who do you talk to? Do you think discussing with, with, a, with a partner or a really good friend, hmm. um, I'm paraphrasing, to help with the same issue is, is not gossiping. So you're, you're talking to a trusted person. What would you say about that approach? Because I, I feel like it's quite clear about who you speak to. You know, what about discussing with a trusted person? Is that gossip or is that okay? I think yes and no. So I think um, often it does help us to, I think if you're married or you've got a good friend who can help you just navigate your own sense of it, even to work out, do I cover this? Do I bring it to that person? There can be some sense where that is, you know, Jesus does quite clearly say go to that person. I think that is the, the, the biggest encouragement. But sometimes we do need a bit of help working out, should I bring this or shouldn't it? But you just got to watch that. And I think particularly marriages, I think we, you can think, oh, we're, just, we're married, so it's okay for us to talk about it. But it's not okay for you to gossip, and you can gossip within a marriage. You know, you can be bad-mouthing that person or talking to that person, stoking each other's pain and that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, we've had to catch ourselves before saying, actually, I think... I think it's moving to ungodly conversation. This is not this. If I've got to deal with this, one, he's going to talk to God about it, or he's going to talk to that person. It's quite a fine line that you walk. It? it is, yeah. But I think again, it's the heart. Am I glorifying God in my conversation? Am I loving that person? Yeah. You know, those two principles really help me. You know, do I do I bring this up? Yeah. I, th I think that um, often when we go to someone else first, it can be because we want our point of view confirmed. Yes. Mm. And we want to retain a kind of victim status so that they might say, oh, poor you, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. We won't verbalise that, yeah. we won't even yeah. say it to ourselves, but often that's, that can be what's going on. So I think there's a difference between going to people for, um, for help in the process than going to people and telling them what's happened and how hurt I am without that view to moving on with the person, yeah. um, with the person that's, that's offended you. Yeah, I think, I think there are other circumstances, again, I didn't get time to talk about it in a sermon, where um, my advice wouldn't be for that person to go to that person by themselves. But sometimes mm. there's power relationships or the hurt or the abuse yeah. that's been done. Yeah. It's not actually appropriate. And so sometimes I'm thinking that's, that's a good point in which to get someone else involved and it, at that point go together. So sometimes I've been involved with situations where the first bit has not been that person going by himself, that it's actually going with me or someone else to go and deal with that situation, just to create a safe space to have the conversation, really, and, so, and to help each other be heard, particularly if it's been 
uh, uh, I think Jesus is describing, you know, kind of the typical situation, but there are situations that I think do need a greater mm. level of sensitivity. Or, the, or, the other side of the coin is what if you've been the person that's caused the offence or the abuse, or if you're, you've been the person who's sinned against somebody else, um, do you, you know, we, we haven't really talked about that. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you do that well? If the person doesn't want to reconcile with you or isn't um, interested in resolving the situation, what would you say to the person who's, who's been the sinner rather than the sinned against? Yeah, great, great question. So I think, you know, similarly, you need to go to the person. You know, you need to, you need to confess your sins to others and, and, and hope in, in, in really the hope that, you know, there'll be forgiveness coming the other way. Then the reality is, if you go to someone and ask them for, for, for forgiveness, now you might need to give them a bit of time to process that. You know, forgiveness is not always instant. In fact, often it isn't instant. It takes a bit of processing. And so you've got to be patient with that, I think. You know, I watch my kids say, I said sorry, why oh, can't everyone forgive me? It's like, well, it takes a bit of time sometimes for things to calm down, but saying sorry. But ultimately, if that person then doesn't forgive, that person's then in the wrong. So you go back and say, well, now the issue is that you're not forgiving me. And that, that is the reality. And I, I had an issue with someone uh, even the last month where, you know, I, I got it wrong. And I got to say, I said sorry. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Everything's good. It's like, yeah, but I know it's not. You've said you, you've said you forgiven me, but it's clearly we're not reconciled. I mean, to where it's down. Actually, you're now moving into a place you're seeing it against me, and, I, and not, not out of concern for myself, but for them. I, think I don't want you to live in that place, and so we need to work that out. Brilliant. Uh, next question. Um, when you're looking back at situations and circumstances that have hurt you, is it too late to bring up something that might have caused pain years ago? So is this something that you can bring before you and God? Oop. Yeah. Or do we still need a conversation with that person? I, I think there is a statute of limitations a little bit, personally. I've had people come and talk to me and say, uh, Stephen, just want to say that thing, you know, a couple of years ago when we were doing that, that really hurt me. I'm, I'm looking and thinking, <laughs> okay, oh, I'm really sorry, but it's very hard for me to be really sorry because I'm not living in that place. And sometimes I don't even know how to hurt them. Yeah. So again, you know what, they have a duty to, to bring it up in a timely fashion, I think. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the conversation, but I think if you've let it go that long, it's probably more between you and God at that point than it is between you and that person. That's not the same with every circumstance. I'm sure there's loads of exceptions of that, but I think you've got to be a little, you know, I think you've left it a long time. Yeah. Um, it's a bit on you, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think. I think if, if your conscience is, is, is pricking you, I think that's something, isn't it? Yeah, I think some, some people think, you know, that, that to, to get a resolution, that person needs to know. Yeah. I think that's not what we're, talk, we're talking about. Is it glorifying to God? Is it loving to that person to bring it up? Yeah. And so I think particularly, you know, it's a pattern of behavior. I think, well, it's just one instant in your life a couple of years ago. Well, is that reflecting how that person is now? If it's not, then I think it's probably a case for covering with love. Probably. Yeah. I think it depends on the uh, seriousness. Yeah, severity, bit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I, like I said, I think these are your normal interpersonal. I think there's, there's abuse and serious yeah. things. I was like, I'm, not, I'm not touching that particularly, and those do, things do need touching on. Shall we um, just talk a little about, you know, you said in, in the sermon that you were going to talk about instances where perhaps the elders would need to speak to somebody. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry, Christine. <laughs> I just, I just but I, I think that fits into, sure. the, into a bigger question of um, what does this look like? How does, how does this work out practically? Yeah. And um, so the question is coming, the passage suggests to tell it to the church, how does this work? So what does this look like for mm -hmm. us at Emmanuel? So I guess stage one, step one, step two, step three. Yes, yeah, so I think step one, step two, step three. Yeah, so um, I think, again, just following this process, but like that, there's, an, there's, a, there's an issue, then someone has got to go and talk to that person about it. If that's not received, then we go again with someone else. And I think we think if, if it's a serious enough issue, we think, well, this might involve this person in the church, then I think it ends up being a process often of months of appealing to that person, different ones going, say, look, you know, think about so this. So when you say leaving the church, 
because they were offended or because of a sin issue? Because, well, we all, we, we all sin, you know, yeah. don't we? We all, we all get things wrong. And the wonderful thing about the gospel is that when we repent, we receive forgiveness. And what we're looking at here is unrepented sin. Mm. So someone's saying, you know, I'm, I, I've sinned and I won't repent. I'm not going to turn back. I don't want to enter into a process. I'm not going to take any steps forward. I think as soon as, as, as someone's taking even the smallest step, we hang in there and we hope and we help and we work it through. There's sometimes where people just like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to be reconciled to other people. I don't want that. And at some point you're thinking, well, you're not really part of the church then. You know, so we're just following through on what, where you've placed yourself. And, uh, and, uh, and so we take that scripture seriously. So for us as a multi-site church, we normally do it with insights. We don't really do it as a thing on Sunday because we don't shame people. Uh, we, do, we still want to do it well. So I say, hey, this person has an issue that we're aware of in our community. This person doesn't want to enter into a, a process of reconciliation and working this out. And so we're taking the very difficult, and it's grieving when we do it, say this person can no longer be part of membership. And that's tough, and that's really tough. And, you know, and, and, and I think everyone who's involved, there's always lots of questions, well, really, is this what we've got to do? And this is where you go to Scripture. Now, this is what Scripture says. And our, what's our hope? Our hope is this underlines the seriousness of the issue to this person, that the Holy Spirit might use this to stir their hearts, to say, you know what, I want to repent. I want to mm -hmm. come back in. I want to be uh, restored and bring them back into the community. That's the aim. Uh, it's not about, how hey, you got things wrong, and off you go. That's not the way Jesus deals with us. That's not the way that we want to deal with other people either. So I guess going back to what Christine was saying, um, when did the elders get involved? When's the girls get involved? Yeah, it depends what the issue is. Um, I think if it's a serious enough issue to leave the church, we're probably involved pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and, and not because we're the police force, but because we love and father this church. You know, when, when our children do things ser serious things, we want to get involved in their lives. We want to talk and pray and, and, and help them through it and help restore them. So, yeah. Anything you want to add to that, Christine? No, no. Um, I have one last question. What if the person who was hurt who has hurt me just doesn't want to be reconciled. What do I do? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's tough. And um, Romans 12, it talks about um, as far as possible, mm. as far as it depends upon you, uh, be, be at peace with everyone. And I think that's it. You know, you, you can't control the way that other people are. Yeah. You can control your own con conduct, though. And you can do as much as you can do. And I've had, I've, you know, I've had circumstances where we've had people uh, where I, I've tried to make it right and they just don't want to make it right. And that just leaves you in a place of prayer. You've got to become <coughs> into a place of bitterness or pride in it. Uh, but, you know, as far as, as far as possible, I've done what I can do. And I have to leave it then with, with Jesus and, and hope that resolution comes. Brilliant. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sending in your questions. Um, it is a hard set of verses to listen to, but as Stephen said rightly, uh, when we come to the other side, it does bring peace. It does bring... Uh, I guess a rightness, and it, it does bear fruit. We are in the midst of our small group uh, sign-up weeks. We kickstart small groups in a few, in a couple of weeks' time. Obviously, you know, in this context, please, please, please think about uh, signing up and joining a small group. Christine, uh, we've got some questions yes. for for the application. Yes, we've not started small groups as yet, but these are the kind of questions we would. Uh, if you're already meeting up in a group or in community, we've got some questions to help you. Yeah, yeah. It'd be really good to think about how does this pan out in our culture and how is what the Bible teaches countercultural? So have a think about how is reconciliation or non-reconciliation, how does that pan out in, say, books you've read or things on TV or popular songs? And also, if you're able to in, in your small group, it'd be really good to talk about any experience you have had of reconciliation, or maybe even opportunities that you've got at the moment. And then thirdly, just to think about 
what are the reasons that the gospel gives us to be proactive in bringing about reconciliation and what might that look like? Brilliant. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Christine. Uh, we've got Joel Vogel preaching to us next week, so tune back in next Sunday at 10 a.m. and then live brunch at quarter past 11. Have a lovely week ahead. See you later.